Welcome back to Let's Talk Marriage. That's your favorite part. You'll get used to this. <laughs> That's your favorite part. Where we talk marriage through transparency. We really worked on that too. Yes, we exercise very much on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Welcome uh, back, everybody. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, all oh the above. Oh my gosh. We are, we are, it is so awesome to just be here all the time. Like, we just really like coming on here. It's fun to it hear really what y'all going to say and see what's going to happen next. <laughs> Let's see what's going to happen next. Oh, my goodness. So, um, we are here back again on Let's Talk Marriage, and we are going to be talking to Jessica Yates, Jessica L. Yates, Esquire. <laughs> Stop playing with that stuff on the background. <laughs> Just don't touch nothing. Listen, okay, you know. <laughs> so we're gonna be talking to Jessica Yates today, and she's very serious, babe. No, stop. I know, I know. We're gonna stop. We're gonna stop. She's very serious, and I am super happy that she came on. She is a family lawyer, and watch when she comes on, she's gonna be like so not serious, but she's serious. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's a family lawyer, and she has been. Uh, very instrumental, even in our own lives. Yes, yes, she, she very had to do some is. stuff for us. She helped us out a lot. Yeah, she helped us out a lot with uh, some different things, going to court and things like that for us. And uh, wish we would talk about her later on in the future, not right now. I didn't say I was going to talk about it now. I didn't say no. I said later on in the future. So today, what we're talking about is infertility, surrogacy. Uh, we're also talking about fostering. And also adoption. Uh, this is like her wheelhouse. She's always trying to get us to adopt some more kids. And I'm like, I do not want to adopt children. So I'm happy that she's on here because she's going to give us more information, the things that she's always telling us. It is really good information. And uh, we, we would love to do that one day. But we're so happy that our children are actually going to be getting older and almost out of the house. Amen. So that we can actually kind of live a little but uh, she's always trying to get us to adopt somebody's kids or uh, if she's not trying to get us to adopt, she's trying to get us to foster a kid. And I'm not willing to do it. But there are some people who are willing to do it. And we found some studies. What studies yeah. did you find? You know, when you actually begin to study about, you know, adoption and when you actually think about family, um, when you build a family, you think about children. Most people think but when they get a family, oh, I'm have some kids, you know have children, have my future ahead of me, or, or leave a legacy behind. But when I start reading about the uh, fertility of infertility, infertility when it comes mm -hmm. down to marriage, you know, within the first year, 12 to 15% of our couples not able to have kids within the first year, first year, up to 19% in the second year. And they say if they can't have kids within the second year of marriage, Nine times out of ten, they may not have children at all, and it's, and the average go up to forty to sixty percent at the age of thirty. You really did your research, babe. Yes, I actually was reading this time. You really did your. <laughs> you read all the time. Don't do that. <laughs> so now, although Jessica is not a doctor, she does have a lot of information on how to help women who may need just a little extra help. So what I want to do right now is just bring her on so that she can tell you more information because we don't know everything. We just know that we're not willing to adopt right now. But maybe, you know, she'll change our mind. Let's see. That's why being people on there is actually a professional. Yeah, absolutely. She is a professional. <laughs> Let's stop talking. Jessica. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you doing? <laughs> you hear me? Now you can hear me. I, hear you. I muted you. I didn't know what was going on, but I muted you. But you're on now. What's up, girl? Hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm so happy I to like see your you. office. Thank you. I love it's my so office, cute, too. It? It's so beautiful. It's beautiful in the background there. So, um, listen, you have been a lawyer for how many years, Jessica? Don't embarrass me now. Okay. I have been a lawyer now for, wow, 10 years. Congratulations. For 10 years, congratulations. Yeah, when like you actually though. stepped out on faith, you jumped and you leaped and you like to push other people with you. I'll tell oh, you yeah, all about that story later. Take them. But... We're going on purpose. We're going. 
Oh my goodness. Like seriously, you are, uh, you are an amazing lawyer. You're an amazing person with a wealth of information and you're always uh, able to give us good legal advice when we ask about certain things and the things that you don't know, you always say, Hey, I know somebody that can mm -hmm. for the things that you don't specialize in. So I really appreciate that about you oh. uh, often when you, uh, when you do that, but nevertheless, um, that's not why we're here today. We are here to talk about uh, uh, just family, I guess, in general. And those of you who are just joining in, this is Jessica L. Yates, uh, Esquire. You guys can comment, like, and share uh, on either Facebook or YouTube. And you can call in at 754-303-9976. But we're going to let Jessica kind of just take over a little bit. That's all right. Oh, also, I know she's a University of Miami. Like I told her I was going to do it. Listen, this is the Florida Atlantic University Owl. Look, 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 my, look, yeah, look who want to bring up his off cup. Their cup. Look at what my cup says. Just, oh, God, he's such a hater. I love it. No, I didn't bring my school cup today, but you know, I can sip. Oh, okay. Go ahead and bring your cup out. I'll sip my branded cup today. It's okay. But you know, I always represent the University of Miami. <laughs> This is actually one of my favorite conversations to have um, just because I think we don't have it enough. And mm -hmm. I never really thought about how many people that I personally knew that were affected until I started doing it for work purposes. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know that 15 to 19 percent of people I can put my hands on them. I have touched them. I have met them. I have played with them. Some people I have talked to and like, you know, maybe. We need to explore some other things um, because infertility is a really, really touchy subject for a lot of people for a host of reasons, right? Um, your stats were great. Kudos to you for doing your research. <laughs> That's hot off the press from the CDC. Um, 10 to 15% of couples do have issues conceiving a child. And that means for the audience who's watching, if you and your spouse have been having unprotected sex for a year um, and you still have not conceived a baby, that scientifically classifies as infertility, right? Mm -hmm. um, why do we have this happening? I don't think we ever thought about it when we were kids, but we're getting married older. We're waiting later in life to have children. Uh, we have a host of health and medical things that come into play. Oh, um, yeah. Some people don't have as much preventative care or like forward thinking about taking care of all of those special parts that we all bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody just assumes that everything works until it doesn't. Right. Like, right. oh, I'm getting married. We're having a baby. This is what's going to happen. And then you get in there and they're like, OK, so at the wedding reception, usually people are like, so when are y'all having a baby? And everybody's like, I don't know. We don't know. We're trying. They always to want you out. to have a baby like immediately. Like I just yes. got married yesterday. Let me enjoy my yes. spouse. Like it's a rush. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like rush. it's a rush, right? And then everybody gets in there, and then like their anniversary comes up, and you're like, okay, where's the baby? <laughs> and then two years, and everybody starts looking at Christmas and family reunion, and then and your grandma's like, well, baby, what y'all got going on over yeah. there? Like no rush on a baby. <laughs> um, and people don't always have the space to talk mm -hmm. about infertility. There's a lot of stigma about infertility. There's a lot of misinformation about infertility. And I feel like it kind of breeds problems for people um, mm -hmm. because sometimes, unfortunately, I handle divorce cases too. And a lot of those cases on the back end of a marriage, sometimes it comes from this place because we didn't have this conversation on the front end. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't deal with what happened when we lost a pregnancy, when we couldn't get pregnant, when somebody had a health issue that maybe we could or could not fix, you know? Right, right. Um, so I'm really happy to be having this conversation. Um, choices. You got choices. I want people to like walk away from this conversation feeling empowered to make a choice about how you want to start your family. Like you have your spouse, you're married, you want children, and for whatever reason, pregnancy hasn't happened. Well, thank God for science. I believe in science, right? Like mm -hmm. not to an insane place where I'm doing weird things, but I believe in like the general principles of science. And they have been able to offer some incredible like medical options to people um, mm -hmm. where legally speaking, we have to do contracts, um, sometimes reviewing documents for fertility clinics, um, whether it is that you and your partner are using your genetic material, whether it is that you're adopting embryos that somebody else is not going to use, uh, whether you're using sperm donors, egg donors, surrogates, like all sorts of creative ways to get people to the baby, right? You can get right. to the baby. Um, you can do IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. 
which is where they make embryos in a lab using whichever egg and sperm you want to use. Um, sometimes people use their own if their eggs and sperm are healthy. No, but is that safe though? Is that a safe so, way to do things? It can be. I will tell people that it is very important. Do your research. Don't be so like caught in your desperation that you don't check out the people you're going to work with. Make mm -hmm. sure that these places are ethical. Make sure that they have the proper licenses. Make sure that they have a success rate that you can like quantify, like you can touch it. You can see and know how much success they have. And also make sure that you know what kind of quality control they have. So mm -hmm. you don't end up with any mix-ups. Like I know we've all watched enough Lifetime movies where there's like a baby mm -hmm. switch and all those weird things. Those <laughs> things happen in real life. And those are horrible court cases. Like they are horrible on people's emotions, on people's wow. finances, on their relationships. So please like check out places and don't try to do this in your living room. Don't oh try my to do gosh. this at home. Oh, oh that's oh, I, I guess the, the turkey baster. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I've heard of those stories. Your friends can't do this for you. Like, <laughs> please talk to your treating physicians who are licensed in whatever state you live in um, to do what you need to have done. Run so now we actually have our first question. Oh, well, we shoot. have several of them, but uh, we have one that I think uh, you can answer here, which is, what do you mean by quality control? Quality control. Um, do they have a system in place for how they label the different specimens they take from everyone, how they store them, um, how they transplant them or transfer them, which is what they use sometimes? Um, do they have a system in place for what kind of vendors and different materials they use. Do they use certified nurses and doctors? Or is this like an intern, you know, walking in the office supervised by no one to do whatever? Like ask all of those very particular questions because you just don't know until you know. And nobody mm -hmm. wants to find out that there was an issue on the back end. Like, oh, oops, we implanted so-and-so's embryo. It's not yours. Oh my. Can you imagine no. the devastation? How much that? does something like this, how much would something like this cost? So cost varies by insurance. Um, and it also varies by oh, like, insurance takes insurance will do this for you. Sometimes it depends on where you work. So fun times. Um, nobody ever thinks about it, but the reason why you see so many Starbucks baristas that are pregnant is because they're one of the few companies like fortune 500s that pay for in vitro in their health insurance. So some oh. people like do their research, figure out which companies offer this benefit, go work there, have their children, and then go about their careers. People do it all the time. I had no clue this was going on. But this is what people do. Because sometimes insurance will cover it, in which case it may be very affordable. If insurance doesn't cover it, it can be very expensive. So, you know, play the game. Learn what access to benefits you have. I don't to play that game. I'm not drinking Starbucks anymore. I mess around and get pregnant. I'm going to be mad, Jessica. I mean, it's I love your kids. Water. I'm totally okay with there being another one. I am <laughs> the biggest proponent of another little Carvel, like I am. Because <laughs> my baby needs a playmate. He can't be the only boy forever. Well, oh, wait, I, I, I'm a, well the question I'm, that, that is in my mind is, um, don't everything come, come, come with risk? Yeah, of course. Everything comes with risks, right? What kind of risk is there? So the risk that you run into, um, there's a host of risks. You could have risks that are related to the way that your baby may be born, um, like health risks and things of that sort. You may have risks where they make your embryos, you have them transferred and you can't carry them for whatever reason. Um, they may, like they tend to test out for most things, um, like your big, you know, autism, um, spina bifida, like they test your embryos and they tell you how many healthy ones you have, but what happens if you only have one healthy one? And that's the only shot you have, right? Like it can be that way. They endeavor to make as many viable embryos as they as they can. Um, but you just have to, I feel like you have to decide like how bad do we want this? And do we want to do it this way, right? Because you can do in vitro, which involves a lot of hormones for um, mom and involves offering specimens, whether from both parties or one party. Um, can we navigate that emotionally? Can we deal with that? Is whichever party may be having an issue, like is husband going to be okay if we have to use a sperm donor because his sperm, for whatever reason, cannot give us a healthy child? Like, can we navigate that emotionally in our relationship? 
And can we also then raise, love, provide for, protect these children that we have? Um, some people, it's a no-brainer. They're like, yep, she wants a baby. I can't give her a baby, but I can get her a sperm donor and he can give us a baby and we can make it happen. Like some people don't even have to think about that. Um, and then for other people, it's a very challenging to get the thought process that goes before it to even make it happen. And so I always tell people to contemplate the cost, right? You can go through all of those things. IVF can fail. IUI, which is intrauterine um, insemination, can fail too, which is where a sperm is essentially inserted into a uterus in an office. You can do that too. Um, surrogacy is a choice. Adoption is a choice. All those things are choices. But the question for me that I always ask people is, have you thought through what this looks like? Because if you haven't, I think sometimes people just get desperate and they don't think about the implications of the choice that they choose. And then mm -hmm. they sometimes cannot live with or navigate with the side effects that come from that choice. And so I think it needs to be an informed choice no matter which way you decide to go. Do you think that women do this because they... Well, obviously, some women, they want to have, an, you know, a baby. I've been blessed to be able to have three. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some women that, you know, that can, they're just, you know, fertile. Every time you see them, they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then you have those that cannot uh, mm -hmm. have babies. And they just want to know, uh, because some people say, oh, it's such a joy when I was pregnant. I honestly did not like, I did not like being pregnant. I never liked being pregnant. I do not like carrying babies. The after part I can do very well, but I mean, the heaviness of it, the, the little babies moving around that, the nausea, all that stuff, it's not for me, but I had these babies because he really wanted some kids. And so we have three beautiful children. Now, this is a good segue into the other options that you're talking about, like the uh, adoption, because I'm not ever having any more children. There will not be any babies housed no. in this stomach. You can and use a surrogate. You can here. have a surrogate, though. Yeah, that's not happening. No, that's not. I, happening. I don't like, no. want somebody else to carry his no, baby no, for me. No, no. It could be Are your you baby. It could egg? be your egg and his sperm, and the surrogate could carry. It's you can happening. do that. No, no, no. no. How do I like, know? <laughs> how do I know the how baby. these people? are over there somebody else carrying our oh, baby no. so you again. interview yes. surrogates and people have to match and agree like no. it's not like a we just if pull people off the screen we it's not like just talking to us talking to the people in the screen oh yes because it's very very professionally done you get to read profiles and find out about people's lifestyle and Let me how tell do you. they live and all those things you do jessica i have this i have an associate of mine who wants uh to do surrogacy but only for the money Okay. And a uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, young lady. And uh, the thing is, is that um, uh, her surroundings and the relationships that she's in, it is not conducive for her to have, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a baby and carrying somebody else's baby. The mental mm -hmm. stress mm -hmm. and the trauma that goes on in just her regular life and then trying to bring a, somebody else's baby into this world. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I guess they kind of figured it out and they told her, no, like you're not <laughs> carrying our baby. It's not healthy. But um, right. it could be very traumatizing. You're not, you're not with that person every day. But I guess if you have big dollars, a lot of people bring that woman into the home with yes. them. Sometimes, oh, um, yeah. sometimes it really depends. Like, so surrogacy is governed by state law. Um, mm -hmm. I practice in Florida and Florida is kind of in the middle when it comes to surrogacy. We're not super surrogacy friendly, but we're not, it's not illegal here either. There are some states where it is illegal. So people kind of get creative with these things. Thank you, social media, but sometimes not thank you, social media. People are creating their own surrogacy scenarios with people that they know or people that they mm -hmm. met. Oh, and, and that can be its own disaster, right? So I always tell people to ask all the questions, get all the information. I prefer for things to be legally drafted contracts. Like there are special surrogacy contracts that we you enter love into. a good contract. That's your name, contract. Because it's so much easier to navigate. <laughs> if I have a written document that adults signed and notarized, then I don't have problems later. If, oh, like the horror story, the surrogate like disappeared and had the baby and we don't know where our baby is. Like that can't happen when you have an agreement because the court says, oh, legally this is their child. The courts have the authority to issue warnings and like things for police to go find that child in hospitals all over the country, things of that sort. Oh, so wow. when you have contracts and court orders, it's easier to navigate. It's very simple. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's much more simplistic. So I always encourage people to do it the straightest, narrowest way possible. Because when you start veering to the left or to the right, there's just so many possibilities and so many strange things that happen. Um, and it just becomes a place of heartbreak, honestly, for people, especially if they really wanted children. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, you need to be consulting with doctors, legal professionals, et cetera, mental health professionals too, to help you navigate. Like, what does that look like? Um, mm-hmm. Whether you're doing surrogacy adoption or in vitro or IUI, like it doesn't matter. There's always a mental health component to make sure that your relationship can navigate through whatever you're going through to get to parenthood. Absolutely. No, the question I would ask is um, how much weight do that have in a lot of divorces that you've been seeing lately? It comes up. I can't even tell you how many times it comes up because usually it's not the main reason. Like, I haven't had anybody come to the office and say, we're getting a divorce because we couldn't have kids. That's never what they say. They say all the other things. And then as we're going through the case and we get to mediation or we get ready to go to trial, then the truth comes out. Oh, when we lost XYZ child or when that cycle of IVF didn't work or, oh, she didn't want to do another round. Um, Oh, he didn't want to do another round. And so we didn't have a baby. And so I it comes out later that at the bottom of all of the other things that piled on top of it was the infertility issue. And most of the time, people haven't talked to anybody about it. Couples struggle through this alone in silence all the time like i can't even tell you how often that happens um they call me after and i'm like you should have called me before like you would have had a baby two years ago (laughs) you should call me on the front end call me first not after you have a problem right um because that's what happens people literally suffer in silence and then it reaches the place of no return because if it's not covered by insurance it becomes financially crippling and what do we know to be the number one reason for most divorces finance issues like every single time so it goes together. Um, so yeah, it's very, very unfortunate and sad to see. I have one particular case I'm thinking about right now where the loss of a child, I think, is what eventually catapulted this couple into divorce. Wow. They have been married for like 20, 27 years, something like that. Wow. Like their kid, they have older children. And I'm like, how did we get here? And as I'm doing the interviews, because I'm the guardian on that case, um, I'm like, oh, this is where this all fell apart with this last pregnancy loss. Like it just it just reverberated through the family and it like ricocheted through and caused so many issues um, that wow. nobody had the space or place to discuss. And so I really do like that we're having this conversation. Wow. 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 Well, we definitely appreciate you for coming on. And those of you who are just joining in, even though let's say this topic may not be for you, it's for somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's some people that are struggling. They're your friends, uh, your family members, your co-workers that could be struggling. And you and don't know. Very good. Mm-hmm. They're not telling you this. Everybody is not willing to open up uh, about their private lives, about what's really going on and why they may be having some of the issues that they're having. So mm-hmm. don't knock this uh, too much because this is happening in a lot of homes more so uh, than uh, than not. So continue to like, comment, and share. Even like I said, if this isn't for you, it's for somebody else. So share it. Share it with someone. She has a wealth of information, and she also goes over these uh, particular proceedings where she helps families get into the right positions and the right placings, uh, placings for them to be able to uh, get exactly what they need. So am I making sense there, Jessica? Yes, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Makes so perfect sense. Let's talk about South Florida's foster care system. You have tried. So I want you guys to know that Jessica is my son's godmother. And let me tell you, um, I, <laughs> I don't need to foster because she has two babies. They, you get the kids and you bring them over. You watch <laughs> them and you get to send them back. And that doesn't then- count. I get the kids. I bring them over. I that watch them count. and I send them back. That's foster care for it's me. Not. And guess what? I don't even want your money. You can keep your money. I just want to watch the babies. Bring them over. We watch them. I bring my son to you. Look how you have fostered him. That doesn't you, count. And then you That's bring the him same. back. <laughs> That's not the same. So what foster care is, um, and I will give the most, I'm going to say correct definition. 
is anytime. Oh, mine was really wrong. That's not that's not foster care. Functionally, yes, but in actual <laughs> practice, no. Um, anytime that a court has jurisdiction over children because they have been in Florida abused, abandoned, or neglected is the language that we use. Um, and the court has placed the child with anyone, whether they are with their grandparents, aunts, uncles, foster parents who were strangers, their teacher who stepped in to keep them in their community. Um, all of those things are technically classified as being foster care, right? Um, we have, I had no clue until I started doing it. On any given day in Miami-Dade County, there are three to 400 children who do not have legal parents every day. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. I didn't think oh, about man. it until I was writing the final judgments. And I'm like, so these kids have no legal parents today. Wow. How many other kids are there like this? Wow. Hundreds. So multiply yeah. that times Miami, times Dade, times Broward, times Palm Beach County, times the Keys, times Orlando, Tampa, like everywhere, yeah. right? Um, so in our country, what is it, 400,000 kids in foster care? Mm-hmm. Get stuck in the and usually between the number on adoptable, like vacillates between about 112,000 to the uptick 125. It just depends on like where you are and what moves and things. But there are children literally every single day that don't have parents that are in yeah. foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be with anybody. And there could be a myriad of reasons for why they're there. From my perspective, at that point, once they're adoptable, it doesn't matter why they're there. What matters is they need parents. And I often find that there's a disconnect between the foster system who has children that need parents and the community of people who want to be parents. Like there's like a missing, there's something missing there because those two groups never seem to make it to each other. Um, so I love to facilitate those sorts of placements and matches and like pointing people in the right direction. What do, what do you think the reason is? I have an idea, but what do you I think? I have a series reason of is? reasons. Um, one of them I think is stigma. There's like a stigma about adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, they're not your kids. And I'm like, but nobody says anything when someone raises a stepchild as their mm-hmm. own. No one says anything when auntie, uncle take in niece, nephew like their own. No mm-hmm. one says anything when you raise, you know, your godchildren or whomever else that you may bring home, it's only when we talk about adoption, which I think is weird because historically as African-American people, we have always done that anyway without the legality portion of it. So what difference does it make if we formalize these relationships, which for me allows generational wealth and other things to pass if you formalize the relationships. When we don't formalize them, we create fiascos that end up being messes later. Um, so I don't know. There's a stigma about it. A lot of people are unaware. Um, and you don't, the cases are confidential, right? So there Mm -hmm. is no list of like, oh, these are the kids. There's no list. Um, most people don't even know what agency to call. Like the information is just not readily accessible unless it's something that you do or something you have been made familiar with or been made familiar with or been aware of. You just wouldn't know. You would not know. Yeah. You know, I kind of work with, you know, um, you know, with the substance abuse community, of course, and Mm -hmm. I do a parenting uh, stabilization course. And um, so I have to kind of work with some of these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that I am finding that is an issue, because I always tell people, you know, you know that you can foster. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of uh, black children that need they need homes. They need parents. Mm -hmm. And it is unfortunate because a lot of people, they want to know, of course, like you said, the why, you know, well, who were their parents? What were they doing? Why, uh, you know, are they not? Um, I see you have a question. Or you no, actually, you know, when people say is why, why, why? But you like um, as Jake says earlier, you didn't ask that same question when your niece needed a, a place to stay. Right. And the parent was on crack or how it was. Because but guess what, babe? They knew but that. But regardless that what, they yeah. knew their aunt, but the aunt still had a disability. Had an issue, right? Yeah. Kind of. what I will tell you. Lose, lose cause of her kids. When the system that I work in, it's a lot of children that, that's in the system yeah. because of that same predicament. Mm-hmm. And the child looking for love and end up getting stuck in the system, end up going to jail and prison mm-hmm. because there's nobody show them that, show them that leadership or that love that they need. Mm-hmm. To help uh, facilitate them to the next level of life, but nobody wants those kids. You're right. You know why? Because I think they're scared. I think there's a lot of I fear involved. So 
I think so too, because he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, the outcomes for kids who age out of the foster system are abysmal. Like, I don't remember how many months it is after aging out, but most of them end up either homeless, in jail, or dead. And to me, those are not choices yeah. that should be the outcome okay. for an 18 well, or 19 some of them year I do old, talk right? to, a lot of them get kicked out the system soon they turn 18. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to. Like, they do give you some information. Um, they obviously, if you become a licensed foster parent, you have to take courses and get educated. They give you information before you accept the placement, but they can't tell you everything. Like you're not going to get names and socials. And you're not going to get all of that. Yeah. But they're going to call you and say, hey, your home is licensed for, and usually you get to tell them what age you want. Oh, your home is licensed for a six-year-old. Well, we had a six-year-old come into care. He, has, he goes to XYZ school. He has XYZ health issues or not. Um, and he has XYZ behavioral issues. Are you willing to accept this placement? And you get to say yes or no. Like you do have a choice in what okay. children you accept into your home. Um, but we just, people just don't know that you can do that. But you could do that and you should do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, now fostering, those are for children who need a home on a temporary basis. Sometimes those turn into permanent placements for adoption and sometimes they don't. And so I do think it's important for people to be clear about which one of those they want to do, mm -hmm. um, because then the agencies will match you accordingly. They won't send you a child that's going to stay forever. If you're saying, no, I just want to be a home to help these children reunite with their biological family. Right. If that's what right. you want to do, then you go in and you do that. And those are the kids they match you with. If you come into it saying, I want to adopt, then they're going to place you either with kids that are already available for adoption or children who are heading toward being available for adoption. Um, because we have a time frame that the federal government and the state give for how much time a child's like life can be in limbo like that. Mm -hmm. um, the max is 18 months. That's all you got, 18 months. Oh, wow. wow. So usually 12, nine to 12 months into a case, you're, they're figuring out, are we going the adoption route? Do parents need a little more time? Is the baby going to go with grandma? Like, baby, we found relatives by now. Um, and so every single case is different, but it is certainly a way for you to have children in your life. If that's what you desire to have is children in your life to assist them from avoiding those very horrible outcomes that Mr. Ely just described. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the reasons why I must say, you know, if I'm honest, is why I'm afraid. And I know that the outcome can be different. But that is one of the fears that I have is like, who am I bringing into my house? You know what I'm saying? Like, who am I bringing in? Right. I don't know. You know, I don't know this child. And even if you get the child from a baby, what trauma has that child been through, through their, you know, through their lives? And I know, you know, with God, you know, there's prayer and, and things like that. But even with your own kids, sometimes you're raising yourself and it's, it's it can be a bit much. You know what I mean? So, so that's what I tell people. It's the same thing. Kids are yeah. kids. Kid, all kids need the same thing. Mm. Social, emotionally competent parents who are willing to do the hard work. The hard work is the mental health work. It's the trauma work. Because even our kids that we have biologically may experience trauma. We know that fetuses can experience trauma in the uterus. Very they can good. remember things that they heard while mommy was carrying me. Right. Mm -hmm. So if our own children can come to us with issues, then, of course, children from the foster system can come with issues. But you get the opportunity to be equipped to deal with those issues. They don't just drop them off and say, here you go. Figure it out. No, 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 no. <laughs> drop them off. You have a couple. You have visits. They have to match you first. Um, you meet the child. If the child is older, they get to say, yes, I want to go or no, I don't. So oh, they don't no. just drop them off. They have a conversation and like match and prepare and make sure that your home is really the right fit before they take them there. Because imagine how disruptive it is if a child really likes you and they don't work for you. And then you have to call and say, hey, I want this kid out of my house. That kid is devastated. Oh, right? That's trauma. They try to avoid that at all costs as much as it's possible. That's from a whole new like, trauma. Before we're thinking yeah. about who's going where and with whom and can they do that. Um, and I see there's a question about what's the financial cost to adopt. Very good. So adopting from foster care in most states is either free or very minimally expensive because the state has a vested interest in children who are in foster care being adopted. Why? Because when they aren't, then we pay the social costs for all the other things that we just described. 
homelessness, um, jail time, death, all of those things become social costs. So in most states, the state either eats the tab for the cost of adopting um, or it's some minimal fee. To adopt privately, it depends on who you're adopting and from where. If you want a domestic infant adoption, like a newborn, you want to match um, and pick up a baby, essentially, quote, from the hospital, you're looking at between the low end is about 15. The high end could be over 70,000. Um, so why are we paying for these children? Why, why can't they just? Oh, so you're not. <laughs> what you're paying for is the following. You're paying for the pregnancy care of the birth mother. You're paying for some portion of her living expenses some, in some scenarios. Sometimes they're not asking for that, but you may be paying for that. Um, you may be paying for travel. If the baby that is born that's matched with you does not live in your state, you could be paying for lawyers in more than one state. If, for example, your baby's going to be born in Nebraska, you live in Florida, the adoption is going to be finalized in Florida. You have lawyers in Nebraska dealing with birth mom. You have lawyers in Florida dealing with your portion of it. You're really paying for legal fees, court costs, and like caseworkers. That's really what you're that's paying a, for. That's a lot. Uh, considering this child may get older and say, oh, I would like to know who my birth mom is. Wait a minute. I done paid all this money for you. You want to know who your birth mom is? I don't think so. I'm so, your mom. <laughs> so I do think that um, all kids should know that, right? To, no, to, if I paid all this money for you, yes. you're mine. You, they no. are yours, but they are theirs too. They're theirs too. Um, oh, people are doing really open adoptions. That's why I can't days. adopt. See, you, no. you, this, is, this is a setup, Jessica. It's not a setup. I would never set you up to fail. You know that. <laughs> never. I would never set you up to fail. So that's babies. Um, older kids tend to be a little less domestically because sometimes someone will say, I want to place my two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. Um, international low end is about 20 because you have like, you have to do the adoption in the other country, right? And you have to travel there. And then you have to do the adoption here and the immigration process here for that child, which is an incredible challenge that we have had, like dealing with the immigration side for children adopted abroad by American parents. But they're all feasible things. And it's not to say that anybody is like writing a check for that amount. Like, hey, it's Monday. You call my office. I want to adopt. Okay, I need $60,000. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. There are grants available. You would be surprised how many employers offer adoption benefits and they, they pay a certain portion of your adoption costs. Um, there's actually an adoption tax credit that is taxable um, for tax time. It's this IRS time. so weird. You have so many people that need babies that can't have babies. And then you have these people that are saying, oh, I have all these babies. You can get these babies, but you got to pay this cost to get these babies. So when the babies are not adopted, what happens to them? <sighs> all sorts of different things. Um Many times when babies are not adopted, babies who are in foster care who are not adopted could remain there. There are different demographics that remain in foster care longer, particularly black boys um, of any age older than about, what is it, four? They stop being cute and fuzzy and they look like, you know, the next wanted poster or whatever. Um, oh, children God. with special needs. And sometimes mixed race children actually do have a more challenging time being placed. Um, and yeah, those are the main ones. They can remain in care indefinitely, um, or in private cases, usually mom will decide to parent or dad will decide to parent. Like somebody will decide to parent. Wow. This and the is, other um, thing people should think about, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. Okay, babe. Go ahead. Um, is that those are not the only adoption types. So think broad. Is there a child in your own family that needs to be adopted? Like yeah, you just get them. Well, you do, but you need to make them yours, right? <laughs> um, or like I know of a family who they were huge advocates of pro-life, right? And I always tell people, put up or shut up, right? If mm -hmm. you're that pro-life, which one of these babies are you going to raise? Well, they told that young girl in their family, if you have this child, we will raise her. And what they do, they adopted her and they raised that child. Like that's, those are things that can happen. Um, kinship adoptions. You can adopt an adult, right? So oh, if yeah, you, that's true. <laughs> you can adopt an adult. Like maybe you don't want babies, 
but your goddaughter, your niece, she's 22. You want to make sure she can inherit from you, make sure she's your next of kin when you get older. You can adopt her in Florida. So there's just more than one solution, quote, to the we want to have children. Well, what kind of children do you want to have? Do you want to have a baby? Do you want to have a little kid? Do you want to have a middle, a middle school kid? Do you want a teenager? Like, what are we talking about? Jessica, you cannot adopt our son. I would never take him from his parents, but he can always come home with me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another. I think this is just a comment uh, where Monique uh, Brewer Brewer is saying, we were asked to adopt my sister-in-law's kids twice. What a whirlwind ride that was. I would love for you to explain a little bit more. You should call in 754-303-9976 share this with us. I would love to hear this, uh, Miss Monique. No, every little information that we get helps somebody else. We're not just helping ourselves. We help anybody yeah. around us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's why we're doing it through transparency because you know, people are scared. Yeah. Yeah, but mortified. I mean, can you imagine? I tell people all the time, but I'm like, we all say we love our nieces and nephews, right? Like we love them and we would do anything for them. Right. But I cannot tell you how many times in a case where kids were removed by the state, they call an aunt or uncle and they don't even know what's going on with their nieces or nephews and they're not in a position to take them in. Or they end wow. up, they say, hey, your kids, your niece and nephew got removed to XYZ place. Your niece knew your name. Like you have a niece who I know if, if anything happened to her, she calling her TT Taisha, right? Listen, you know, I love my baby. If she calls, I am coming. I'm adopting. I'm doing whatever. She ain't gonna she don't have a mama. I'm her mama. You see? But everybody can't do that. And so yeah. people end up in these scenarios because in, in um, DCF cases, they look for family first. They try grandma. They try yeah. grandpa, auntie, uncle, whomever. Um, and a lot of times it's things that we don't think about, like background clearances that stop families from keeping kids. Um, how many people live in our houses? What kind of verifiable income we have? Like those sorts of things. There's nothing wrong with being poor. That's not going to stop you. Um, but what may stop you is if you have illegal sources of income, like they can't send the kids there, right? So we actually have a caller that okay. is calling in, and this is Miss Monique Brewer. She's gonna go ahead and uh, and share a little bit here about her scenario. So we're gonna bring her on. Ms. Brewer, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. So share with us uh, what it, what was your experience? So um, when I heard Jessica talking about uh, kinship adoption, or sometimes you know a family member and they're having kids and they're struggling or something, and you might be called to adopt. So that happened uh, to me and my husband. Um, he is the second oldest of his sibling set, and so his older sister had gotten into drugs and some other illicit activity, and she. Uh, was going to jail and essentially losing custody of her children. Wow. So the first time around, she had three, a set of twins um, who are uh, on the autism spectrum. And then at the time, her third was less than six months old, but I can't remember exactly how old he was, maybe three or four months old. And so we got the, the paperwork in the mail for all three kids. Um, they live wow. in the state of Pennsylvania. And it was basically asking, would we take temporary guardianship of these children? So they, it wasn't like a letter with here, here's a package three. It was three separate letters for each individual child. So because of the severe special needs of the twins, we um, decided not to because we were not equipped as a very young couple. I think we've been married just a year wow. to handle um, their diagnoses, which were fairly recent, but they needed a lot of therapies and interventions, and we just were not equipped for that. Um, the three to four month old we had agreed to, and so we filled out all the paperwork um, in it. It told us that we would be his guardian, I think, for a year mm -hmm. um, and so we filled out that paperwork and sent it back and then in the end my in-laws agreed to be temporary guardians of him oh wow fast forward to um i want to say it was like 18 months later what she needed to do uh did not happen and so there came a point where it was um 
we will take your children or you need to relinquish your rights on your own. So she did that. And the twins went to two separate individual families, very capable to handle their diagnoses. And um, they're doing phenomenal, you know, right now. Um, I just got recent photos of my niece who I found out is 15. So, um, and then the youngest who recently turned the 10, nine, 10, um, my in-laws have him. And so they then legally adopted him. So he is technically my youngest brother-in-law, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's like the aunt uncle relationship and um, him and my oldest daughter are just so cute together. So fast forward some years and um, she had another baby and then the situation came up again. Um, just, you know, Drugs and addiction is a very serious thing. Yes, and once is. once you get in enmeshed in that, it just becomes like a like a snare trap. Whatever you do, you can't get out. Absolutely. And so this, this sounds time, like a success story, uh, a little here. <laughs> so yeah. this, well, this is really good. Like it, it, it is, you know, you don't ever want to say at least, but this right. is something that uh turned into a, a really good story where the children were able to be placed uh in a place that uh, was conducive, uh, you know, for them, for them to have the help that they needed. So um, it sounds like you're yeah. having a party in your background there. So oh, <laughs> we're gonna is, let we're gonna let Jessica finish because we. Yeah. <laughs> so we usually don't get these types of uh, success stories. So this is absolutely amazing, and we appreciate you for calling in. And thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you so much. much. Yeah, thank of you for course. sharing. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Jessica, that was awesome, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like- so see, like, think about that though. She said a set of twins got separated. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Those you know, but- are the things that can happen when yeah, but- we're not in a position. Like that can happen. And yeah, then a kinship adoption can happen because the mm-hmm. other baby ended up with his grandparents. You know, but I like how they made it um, a decision, and uh, it was a wise decision on their behalf mm-hmm. because the kids got what they, the children got what they needed. Yes. Uh, versus yes. them, they're taking on the whole responsibility, yes. and they would have put a strain on their marriage. Yes. And they would end up in divorce court. Yes. yes. Possibly. And that is, we don't know. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But, but he's you know, right, though. Able to handle it. Go ahead. People just. have a hard time. Like, that is a very wise choice to consider everything, right? Because sometimes when we're in this infertility space, we take everything that comes at us like, oh, that has to be it. Oh, that has to be it without thinking about or looking at or considering, can Mm -hmm. we actually do what is right, what is best in this scenario? And they were able to say as a couple that they couldn't. And that's even, that's equally powerful to me in this space um, because the kids got what they needed they got a family. They still have contact with them. They got adopted. Um, but I just think that that's important for couples to have those conversations together because there's always one parent, one party who's like, oh, yeah, we can do anything. And the other one who's like, well, I didn't want to. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can we you really know, when, do that? Um, I had a, um, an aunt who passed away some years ago and, um, you know, her son, uh, she has two. And her son, uh, not two sons, she has a girl and a boy. And uh, I grew up with my um, my cousin, but uh, my younger cousin, you know, he has some issues and things like that. And before she passed away, she said to us, would we take him? Mm-hmm. And we were just newly married and we had to say no. I was like, oh, my and God. We just had uh, Sarah. We time. had just had Sarah. We didn't know anything about raising any children. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, thank God that his father Step in. uh, Step stepped up. in and, and stepped up and said, no, you know, I'm going to take my son. Yeah. And uh, he's now, you know, well in his 20s. And uh, he's, he's, doing doing, good. he's doing very good for himself. But you have to know, like you said, you know, you just never know. Uh, you know, who you, you know, who you're going to take in, what, you know, what the consequences could be mm-hmm. if you say yes, because once you have them, you, you have them, they're yours. They're yours. Mm-hmm. And I, I am a huge proponent of telling people, um, whether it's a newborn or an older child, once that child comes to your house, it needs to be an absolutely yes, because we tend yes. to think of like, oh, well, they're a baby. They won't remember. They will absolutely remember. They won't be able to tell you because their trauma is pre-verbal, but they will know and their behavior will let their next caregiver know that they had that disruption. 
So people should be, you know, thinking about these things when you're having those conversations about children. Um, I even think you should have that conversation before marriage. And if possible, I realize this is like being uber technical, but I say get all the medical workups done before marriage, right? So there's no surprises. Oh, we already know you have X, Y, Z and I have this. Do we want to pass on these traits if our genes get together and create a child with certain issues that we are not equipped to deal with? Well, no, we don't. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Right. I think we should be very thoughtful about it because we can be. Like we have so many more tools available that we didn't have before. Like they just weren't there. It was just like, okay, well, I guess you're just not going to have children. That's how it used to be. Like, okay, I guess we're just not going to have any. And for some people, that was a make or break and they left and made other families on the side and did other things. Mm -hmm. Or they didn't stay together or somebody was miserable. They felt unfulfilled in their marriage, whatever the case may be. Um, So I just think, you know, have those very transparent conversations, have them early, have them often. And as they change, they change, right? Like you guys say you have three and you're like, quiver full, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. that's but, it. You know, you know, but, you know what, I, what, what I say is because I know somebody that um that I work with for and he's well, well in his 60s where he met his wife in, his, in their 20s. She couldn't have kids. Yeah. And he, but he wanted children. But he understood that, hey, I love my wife that much. Mm-hmm. I was sacrificed not having children just for you. Mm-hmm. And they married until this day. They're still together. Yep. Um, but then there's some people I know, like um, you said earlier, you know, we discuss everything. We discuss finance, where we're going to live, how we're going to live, what we're going to do with it, how we're going to eat. But we never discuss about can we have children? Mm-hmm. Or if we can't, what we're we gonna do to the next to, to receive yeah. children, or how we're we gonna show our love, how we're we gonna love. raise them, how yes. we're we gonna, you know, are, are, mm-hmm. what are we gonna do? Are we gonna have these types of, you know, things that we're gonna implement from what our parents taught and all these sorts of things? Like, you know, there are some things. I mean, traumatically, that should not ever enter into uh, correct <laughs> relationships. That's why these, yeah. these type of conversations yeah. is very important because if yeah. we don't ask or discuss now, when now the baby here, now what we gonna do? Oh, uh, we love everybody lost staring at everybody's baby. Like y'all supposed to know what you y'all know. do, and the parents like we, we don't like know what we do. We don't know what we're doing. You know. I'm surprised my children's still alive. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, y'all still here? Yeah, so we did pretty good. High five, babe. We they jumped. Hey, they survived us. the obstacle course. <laughs> so funny. Now they can fix food for themselves and oh us. yeah, they can cook. Yeah, we That's thank so God for that. You know, children are a big responsibility you have to know that you know that you know that you know mm-hmm. that you want children and that you have enough love to give to these children because sometimes people can be a little selfish and it's okay yeah. if that's who you are and that's who you want to be but you know know if you want because there is no such thing as a oops you knew right there I are no oopses I, I slip and got pregnant no, no you did not no, you slip didn't. and get pregnant don't there's that's impossible um, I don't believe in oops babies. Everybody gets one free oops baby before 21, but after that, it's not an accident, right? We know Even where they come 21, from. That's not an oops. You know I about oops that. Because you're teenagers yeah. and you may not be as meticulous with your sex life as like adults okay. should be. So that's yeah, we'll give them I a give pass because they're free. Uh, they're you know pre. That prefrontal cortex ain't there. Well, I give well, it. To that's them. why the parents that. will come to talk to their kids. Say, baby, if you do them things, you can have a baby. Right. <laughs> My right. mom told me earlier, son, you bring a baby. Home, you gonna take care of that baby? I said yes, ma'am. Right. I didn't have Mine no baby till twenty four. Mine too. Mine too. I do think that we don't talk about it though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think too, um, somehow people have like fetishized pregnancy, which I think is weird. But I see people do it. They want to be pregnant, so they fake being pregnant, right? Because they want the gifts, they want the oh, attention, they want whole, all the stuff. Mental. Uh, it is, but it's like so this. common. And I was just like, you know having a child is more than just being pregnant yes there's so yes. much that's that's just the beginning the yeah, truth I'm is like all these uh you know these uh what they call them the the baby showers where i don't you don't even see the stomach getting big and these people are having these lavish you know mm-hmm. uh baby showers because they want to do the uh and there's nothing wrong with that but there is so much more i'm telling you you know to, uh, to having a baby and raising a family, it is a lot of hard work. These children, they don't let up for nothing. Never. They will hold you accountable. They will, it's, it's a, it's a lot. And I'm thankful because, you know, although my husband is here, you know, sometimes, cause he has to work. Sometimes you can feel alone. 
you have to know what to do. You got to know what to do and trust that he's not out there, you know, doing certain things. Sometimes women's minds, they, they can go to the left, they can go to the right. right. But I'm thankful that, you know, in our relationship that we've always been solidified in who we are and, and, uh, and what we are and whose we are as well and being able to raise our children. And we thank God for you, Jessica, and your soon-to-be, because you just recently got engaged to, oh, oh, he got to do the hand clap. Look. <laughs> I love the hand clap. I love it. You I just recently it. got engaged to, actually, this is how she became. Let me tell you how keen my son is, too. But she is uh, dating, well, uh, now you are, what They're is it called? They're not dating no more. They're engaged. They're engaged to engaged. my, um, I call him my brother. I've known him for many, many yes. years my children's godfather and uh, my son he saw so much in her he said you know what i want her to be my godmom do you know at what eight years old he was eight or no he, 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 he was eight when he said um no he was, serious. I, he was so serious he got him a suit and everything mm -hmm. he said i want her to be my godmom and so she said absolutely they we did a whole thing at church and it was so beautiful he the time and he date and everything the time else and date and who was gonna you know pass her over him and do it was it was such an amazing thing and um so but she just recently you just re, i don't want to tell your business am i telling your business because it's all over facebook now it's I'm like so low-key over facebook you're it's okay. super private but now the world knows that you're engaged to to my one of my best friends, and we're so happy uh, to have you. So um, uh, I know you're not, you know, having any kids yet, but you know, not right, 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 right now. No, no. not right now. But we you have thoughtful, but we have thoughtful and transparent conversations <laughs> about those children. Where are they going to come from? What are we okay with doing or not doing? How much money are we willing to spend to that end? Who's willing to get poked and prodded and all that other fun stuff? Oh, um, because geez. nobody ever thinks about that, but that is sometimes part of some of those medical interventions. Somebody might need corrective surgery. Somebody yeah. might need to take certain injections. Like, how much of that are we willing to do? So that's why I say people should have those conversations, you know, before marriage so you can give people a choice. Like I have certainly, it hasn't happened to me, but I know people who have told their spouse, look, we got married assuming everything was great and everything mm -hmm. is not great. I can't give you children. This is me giving your get out of our marriage free card. Like I understand. Now, obviously wow. the spouse in that scenario was like, no, I want you, which was beautiful. But right. I was like, wow. Like what a powerful conversation to have to have with your spouse because you both want children and somebody biologically cannot do it. What are you going to do? Absolutely. So that's why Absolutely. we have this conversation on the front end, but we have you know, lots of we, we never had these conversations. That's good that they had that conversation because you know, that's, um, uh, what's the one for, uh, that not even transparency. That's being, that's no expectation and you having a baby. Yeah. If I know you can't have no baby, I don't have no expectation that you're gonna have a baby. Right. And I want my feeling won't be heard, or now we may have another discussion. Can mm -hmm. we adopt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes people say that they love you unconditionally, but that seems like that would be a condition. Oh, well, if right. you can't. Well, right. yeah. people scrutinize that definition of they that. do. Mm -hmm. And you I know. don't think people think that deeply about it, right? Like it's just a thing. Well, of course I love you unconditionally. I'm like, well, do you though? Because yeah. if this can't happen, do you still love me enough to stay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes for some people, it's a deal breaker. And I yeah. respect that um, because people have their list of whatever their non-negotiables are. Like, think about those before you say I do, or at least in the very beginning of when you, after you said I do, so that nobody walks away, you know, with ill will or ill feelings. are clouded, you know, in the beginning. Like, you don't see those things until you're actually in the marriage, you don't know what type of parent you're going to be until you mm -hmm. actually have the kid. I didn't know. I thought I was going to be, everybody thought I was going to be like this strict, stern parent. My children have me wrapped around their fingers. Yes, it is really, yes. it's very weird how I'm just <laughs> not, so I don't think, I, ye I yell so much. It's ridiculous, but I don't but spank. It's crazy. The thing is, the funny is, yeah, she, they may have a wrap around the finger, but when she said move, they move. They move. Everybody moves. Everybody in the house moves just because you know that. It's like, oh, you know, I move. Oh, like, oh, move. Everybody, everybody moves. Everybody moves. Moved. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This has been an amazing conversation. Jessica, I'm so happy that you came on. We're getting near to the time. It's like, uh, it, well, it's 9 o'clock now. Yeah. 
Uh, do you have any last comments that you would like to share with the people? Something that we don't know that we should know. Okay. Yes. Um, one is adoption is not a substitute for a biological child, right? So you have to deal with whatever your issues may be with infertility before you walk into adoption or or choose to adopt first if you want to. I did. Pick whatever you're doing with utmost thought and um, forward thinking about what the implications may be. And then the other thing that I will always tell people is to be empowered to make your own choice. Don't feel like you have to do something with parentage specifically a certain way. And don't feel like you owe people an explanation for how, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to tell people, oh, well, we went to a doctor and we, that, that's not their business. The same way that you're not telling them your conception sex schedule, like if you were doing it the natural way, right? Like you're not calling like, girl, it's Tuesday. I got, no. So <laughs> it's, it's a very personal and very private thing for people to do. Um, and so I just think people should be empowered in their choices um, make sure that you're always seeking support from like mental health professionals, marriage counselors. Um, if you have marriage mentors, pastors, et cetera, who are seasoned with these things um, mm -hmm. and can help you navigate because people just don't talk about it. And the more that we have conversations like these, the more I'm like, well, this has been going on. This isn't new. This yeah. has been happening for a long time. And there are lots of things that we can glean and learn, you know, from other people who have walked these roads. Um, you don't have to do it by yourself. There are countless lawyers, myself being one of them, that handle family formation issues every single day. I love making families. I make them in the courtroom. Some people make them in the bedroom. Some people make them in the hospital. I make them in the courtroom. Yeah. I personally love doing that. So if anything was my takeaway is talk about it early, talk about it soon, make the best choices for your family um and make it and find your kids if your kids might be waiting for you while you're circling around like we don't know what we want to do and i'm like well let me know when you're ready your kids are waiting for you i tell people yeah. that all the time you should sure um, finalize an adoption for a family who adopted four siblings wow foster oh, care a couple weeks ago and i'm yeah. like it's nearly impossible to place four kids together but mm. they wanted children. And she's like, okay. And I want number five and six too. And I'm like, okay, say less. I will find five and six for you. Um, so there are definitely a wealth of professionals that do these things. Be mindful, be scrupulous. Don't spend money without checking on things first. Fact check everybody, pull licenses, like get all of the information, excuse me, so that you don't get into scams because there are scammers, especially Absolutely. in this area because people really want to have children. So- mm. Be very careful. Beware. Make sure you exhaust all your benefits. Talk to your HR person. I realize that might be a real awkward conversation, but people are always surprised when they're like, I didn't know we had benefits for that. And I'm like, because most people don't know that you're supposed to ask. So talk to your HR person Absolutely. and your accountant. Um, those would be my biggest takeaways if I had to give one. And how can the people find you? They can find me. I am at Yates Legal Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I also have a website, which is www.yateslegalgroup.com. We always go live um, or post facts about different family formation related issues um, because there are different awareness months for all of these things anyway. Um, so they can find me there. They can also find my book about adoption on Amazon. It's called A Case for Adoption. I actually have it with me today. Yay. Um, it goes through the adoption process. So people, it kind of demystifies it because we've made it so laborious and complex. And I'm like, it's really not that hard. I kind of sensitized and brought it down so people could understand. Um, really short read. You could probably read it on the beach or something, like while you're hanging out in the spring, you know. Absolutely. Um, where else can they find me? Those are the places that you will find me. We talk about these things all the time. And maybe I'll be back on Let's Talk Marriage for Infertility Part 2. I don't know. You will. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely will. We definitely appreciate you for coming onto the show today. We also thank Monique Brewer. Brewer. What? Why can't I get that to go? Brewer. Monique Brewer for calling in and sharing her inspirational story. Yes, for sharing her story with us. Uh, babe, is there anything that you wanted to uh, leave? Well, um, we, are pre we appreciate y'all tuning in with us every Sunday night. <laughs> um, it is great um, to have 
the response that we're having mm-hmm. on the material that we got giving you guys. Uh, we pray that you guys will continue giving us, you know, your thoughts, view, um, share, like. That's what we can continue growing and giving this information to everybody else. Absolutely. So remember that we are not only on uh, Facebook, we are also on YouTube under Ilias and Taisha Carvel, but you can always find us here on Let's Talk Marriage uh, on Facebook. Um, If that is it, I do have some little preliminaries here. Jessica, thank you again. We're going to go ahead and sign you off. You can go ahead and uh, chill in the background and wait for us a little bit, but I want to give some little preliminaries. Make sure that you guys find her. I think that this is the best way to get her here because you'll find more information on www.yateslegalgroup.com. She does wonderful. I love your lunch and learns. So the lunch and learns are good for me because at 12 o'clock you guys can come on and, uh, you know, and have some just good information at 12 o'clock. You never know on your lunch break. Yeah. What you're going to get. So she has wonderful, amazing information, but if you want to hang out with us, just hang on a minute. You ain't got to go nowhere. It's fine. I hang out. We have the bunny rabbit in the back. That's actually Israel's little bunny. Yeah. Do you see him back there? I was wondering what that was. (laughs) He's peeking over. So we don't believe in bunny rabbits and things like that are for Easter, but Passover is coming. Mm -hmm. Passover is coming. So we wanted to reverence Passover. There's nothing that is shown on television or anything that we can have as a still picture for Passover, but we wanted to uh, have something, a bunny rabbit doesn't symbolize Passover, but uh, you guys make sure that you reverence Passover if you are a Bible-believing, uh, a faith-believing person. Uh, you can, you know, look up what Passover is because it actually, uh, it's befitting for you. Uh, with that being said, we love you guys with the love of the Lord. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome. I had a blast. Thank you guys for always commenting, liking, and sharing our program. We appreciate all you guys for coming in and just being here with us. And um, I think that is going to be it. Yes, that is. All right. Well, thank you again, guys. And uh, see you next time on Let's Talk Marriage. Yes. Bye. Bye. Love you guys.